What did I miss yesterday? Much of anything? Yeah, it was uh, one of probably the best shows we've had. <laughs> no, it was, uh, you know, uh, not much really in the news, especially K-State related. It was a little dry yesterday. Couldn't believe that the news hit even before I got to Salina, which said something about, A, the pace of travel yesterday morning, <laughs> yeah, as well as really how quickly everything was acted upon. Man. In regards to the Bruce Weber announcement, he's Dave G. I'm Troy Coverdale. We've got some pre records with Mitch coming up nice. as he sat down with Kellis Robinette a little while ago. Plus, earlier this week uh, with K State Football's Pro Day, he had the opportunity to talk with Dalton Shane, and we will have that for you coming up in the second hour this afternoon. But I didn't get the chance to weigh in yesterday, ah. and I know that Mitch had made the comment that he was curious as to some of my thoughts, yes. and as I sat down at, at lunchtime today and went through some just general things in my head, I'll be up front. I, I was not a fan of the Bruce Weber hire when it occurred. I am one of those K-Staters. In fact, I remember quite well the text messages that went back and forth between my brother and I when that all went down. I also remember quite well uh, a running joke with Northern Colorado that Bruce would never want to have us back after UNC came in and clipped him. And, and the joke was because we almost beat his Illinois team Oh wow! two years previous. Oh, he's like, forget these guys. And, you know, there were extenuating circumstances, but that was also the year that Northern Colorado made the NCAA tournament. That was a very good Northern Colorado team. We played in front of 5,000 fans in an ice storm in Champaign. And almost got him. And almost got him mm. because it was – you know, th think of how big that arena is and how quiet it was. Right. I right. mean, there there was little atmosphere. It played perfectly into UNC's hands that <laughs> night. Yeah. Um, so there was that running gag uh, among Northern Colorado coaches. I've had my ups and downs in terms of, of how I've viewed Bruce. But the thing that stood out to me as I sat down and went over this today, to me, you have to compartmentalize some things. And this this is where I think that many of us as K-State fans can get off track with it because we meld the things together too much. We say that it has to be a black and white. Well, there's some stuff in between just black and white yeah. in terms of how we should feel about this situation. I respect the man. I respect his ethics. I respect him as a leader of young men. I respect him for his heart, for his caring, for so many of the things that he did bring to this K-State program as a very good man. You cannot have, however, and, and this is the one thing that has been lost in all of the analysis to this point. I have not seen anybody mention this, but but Dave, 
I, I'm going to go through this in terms of a question for you. What's the worst thing that can happen if you're an oil producer drilling a well? Um, the the uh, the drill bit breaks. Okay, not quite that one. Okay, um, the the where you're you're tapping runs out of oil. Where you're tapping is a dry hole. Mm-hmm. Is what I wanted to get to. Perfect. That was two recruiting classes for Bruce Weber. That's why you saw three losing seasons in a row and a rebuild having to occur. It wasn't just these two seasons and this year. No, it was the recruiting that was going on even as K-State won a conference title in 2019 the recruiting before that season had had issues with players that didn't stick around. The following year had issues where players didn't make the cut. And you wound up with a two-year two stretch where players you recruited were no longer on the roster. That's where this whole thing turned. That is unfortunately a reflection on Bruce Weber's program and his coaching at that point. Because to win at this level, you also have to recruit. Mm -hmm. You have to. You cannot afford to drill a dry hole. If you're in Manhattan, Kansas especially. That set the stage for what took place these last three years with the K-State program. That's where Bruce Weber lost this job, if you will, where Bruce Weber could not recover fast enough to be able to salvage it. You can argue about his coaching within two minutes of any game. You can argue. Listen, those, those are things that coaches critique themselves over. And I know full well he's critiquing himself and probably has critiqued himself over and over and over again regarding coming up empty in these recruiting classes. It is imperative, even in this era of the transfer portal, that you have your base intact. And those two recruiting classes essentially left K-State without a base. You know, great points, by the way. I can tell you've thought about this a lot. (laughs) Thank you. Which I think most K-State fans, especially strong fans, have been thinking about it. It Just what went wrong, where did it go wrong, how, all that. When I I thought about it a lot today even, when, let's just say, he was coming back next year. You have Nigel Pack, and then the next two best players on your team are gone. Marquise Noel's gone, and Mark Smith is gone. Who else behind them do you go, oh, yeah, just going to step up and fill that void? That we're, Now we're talking about this recruiting class. How, he has to hit a home run. He has to hit two or three home runs in order to get back to being competitive. Not only that, but then that means that it's that much more imperative that he succeeds in the transfer portal. Right. And and so you're rolling the dice again 
on one or two year right players right it it just it, it's unsustainable you can't do it if you don't have the base right if you drill a dry hole then you've just lost you're a smaller company that can't absorb a dry hole, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. can't do it. Once you've missed, you've missed. I, I mean, honestly, let's. all you've got to do right now is, is is watch what's going on in terms of the college basketball tournaments oh, man. this week. And watch social media. I have a very good friend who is a Kentucky True Blue Nation guy and complaining about Kentucky right now. Well... Cal had a couple of years that weren't nearly as spectacular in terms of his recruiting. And you see what has happened. I I remember the NIT loss to Robert Morris. I, oh, I remember seeing yeah. it. You know, yeah. that's crazy. I, I another thing I thought about today in regards to rolling the dice and going another year, another two years. How many losing seasons where you are either last or next to last, mm. how many of those equal an Elite Eight run? How many of those terrible seasons has he bought himself? And also, the, uh, to me, to think that the school and the administration and the athletic department that asked Bill Snyder to resign is going to turn around and let Bruce mm. Weber like find his way after three losing seasons. That's not tr- going to happen. Well, and not given the apathy that is prevalent, right, with the program currently in terms of attendance of games. People just will find something else to do. Sure, sure, and that becomes more and more evident the more you look at what's going on in our world. Mm. around us and the varying things that are there to entertain us. You, you know, one of the questions I, I want to ask is for all of the people that complain about games being on ESPN plus, how many of you use Netflix? <laughs> it's just a thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, the, the point being, uh, you know, K-State fans voted with their butts. They voted with their butts in with this program. And it was a landslide. And it was a landslide. So now where do you go? Okay, well, we're not going to figure that out in the matter of X number. And I know that that's a topic that will be addressed coming up here when when we uh, get you Mitch's thoughts with Kellis Robinette. What I hope happens, though, is that we are able to put that apathy aside And I know there's going to be a stint coming up here where it's going to be, uh, I hate to use the state of misery's slogan, but it's going to be show me. Show me that you are serious about doing this with this program. I have been demonstrably frustrated With the direction of K-State Athletics and how they've handled the basketball program for better than 30 years. The Tom Asbury, Jim Woldridge eras were, 
they, they just upset me so much because our heritage as a blue blood in the sport, yes, K-State as a blue blood in this sport, was just allowed to wither away. We tried to make a flashy hire with Tom Asbury based on essentially one game. One game, an upset of Michigan in Wichita, Park City to be exact, but at the old Coliseum. And then, because we struck out and Tim Floyd wouldn't take the job, he made the recommendation, Tex Winter backed it, which I've, that would be one flaw that I have with Tex (laughs) over time unfortunately, for the hire of Jim Wolderidge, who was just overmatched, ill-prepared, speaking of being able to uh, recruit and drilling dry holes. Oh, boy. Bob Huggins flipped that switch, brought us back with energy. Frank Martin was able to continue it. Had Bruce... Had Bruce been able to get more than uh, more than one Final Eight run. Had Bruce been able to get a couple of Sweet 16s in the midst of the five straight years of making the tournament, he would be viewed differently, I think. Yeah. But the first-round exits just added to the frustration. So frustrating. Man. And as for his comments regarding social media, I understand his frustration. There is a lot of poison out there. And I saw one person today on Twitter having a heyday with what Illinois fans are saying after their exit today from the Big Ten tournament. The number of them that are hacked off at Brad Underwood. Right down to one of them that got shared was uh, someone saying that he hopes that Brad goes to K-State. Oh, my God. So that they can get rid of a guy who can't win in the postseason. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Social media is a frigging cesspool. For all of the things that we could be doing with social media that are good. And a friend of mine today relaunching a fundraiser in which he, just over Christmas time, gained $250,000 worth of food to feed all of the elementary students in Raleigh, North Carolina during their spring break. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because otherwise they were going to be in a food, well, without food because school was out. He's relaunching that to do a spring break version starting today and already has a matching donation of 200 grand. Wow. Okay, that's the that's what I love about social media right sure. there. Yeah. Okay. That that that's that's the best part of social media right there. Especially because I know that the one donor who's doing the matching literally lives three time zones away from him. Hmm. And the only reason they hooked up was social media. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff that goes on on social media is just unbelievably sad. It's anger inducing. But in the end, it's sad.
because it plays to our base emotions. It gets us arguing, which isn't always a bad thing, but all too often it gets us arguing without context, thought, or evidence. How's that a summation of, of social media? I love it. I mean, how many times have you seen someone getting into it and they didn't read the article that yeah, they're ta- yeah, commenting yeah. about? You know, like that happens daily, hourly. I I told Mitch I think that grasping at straws and bl- pointing the finger everywhere else. And we had a caller, Charles from Wamigo, call in and mention about five or six situations in the Big 12 alone in the last couple years that were worse than what he's seen online about K-State. Yeah, K-State Twitter can get vicious, but, you know, and I had mentioned the Niles Paul thing up in Nebraska. I mean, he drops a couple passes during a game, and there are people waiting for him in the parking lot. (laughs) I retweeted it out yesterday, and I may regain it here uh, in a bit. I'm using the wrong mouse. Um and it was post game from Wichita State yesterday, yeah. and I don't know if you saw that. I did see that, um, and I can't think of the player's name right off the top. But it was a message that he received from someone basically wanting to get into his DMs, mm-hmm. and it called him every name in the book, and how stupid they all were, all because they lost. Now, I'll bet you one of two things on that number one guys either a dramatic diehard or two he had money on the game right right and you need to take <laughs> the, the first guy needs to I, take I, a step I, back i hate to say that <laughs> yeah, but yeah. honestly yeah. number two it, he could very well have had money on the game because i've seen some of those guys oh get absolutely God. crazy I've, on social media i've been with some people that get like oh that. And, and number one you need to st- take a step back you're not on the team you're not a coach you know it, i mean and then people say, I spent a lot of money here. I donated a lot. Well, you just you decided to do that. No one made you do it. It didn't come out of your paycheck, you know. You decided to donate. So I, I hate that line of thinking. Dexter Dennis. Dexter De- I, I just, I on his way out to take those shots, I felt like they were kind of shots at K-State fans. I, I was uh, less than... I was less than thrilled to see sure. that he did that. I, I do understand the place it comes from because social media can get so vicious and you can't say anything because you got to be bigger than that. And now on your final press conference, you can let it all out and kind of say, these guys are turds, man. I hate them. But in the process, he completely overlooked really the blame for, as we said, drilling the dry hole. Dude, it's like yeah. at some point you have to say, we didn't do a good enough job. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't get it done. When you go and you go the last three seasons, you're either ninth or 10th in the Big 12, yeah. and you're not getting in the tournament, and you're not even getting in the NIT. It can't be just the players and social media and not recruiting. And the, At some point, it's got to be on Bruce. You know, you, you're the one who makes three million bucks a year. You <laughs> know, you at some point, it does fall on you. The buck stops here, there's a reason that the guys who make the big bucks make the big bucks because when the buck stops, it's in your lap, it's on you, and you got to take the fall for it. 
That's how this whole coaching thing works. We're acting like this is the first time we've ever come upon a situation like this where right. a guy who's really nice, really great guy, does everything the right way. Nice guys sometimes finish last, and you got to go. I just I think we've given him a long enough time to do yeah. what he's going to do, and we've seen the ceiling, and that's what it is. Do you you want to wait around for three or four more years until he turns it around? I don't. No, because we're getting left in the dust. Exactly, Come and that on. and that's and that's what stinks about the whole situation is you run that risk. Even with a new hire, you run that risk. Sure do of being left in the dust. When we continue, Mitch Fortner had the opportunity to sit down with Kellis Robinette earlier today. We'll get you that interview coming back next as this is the game. I promise I'm not going to break into song here. I, like, I Well, I thought... My timing is, was close, but... Yeah, yeah, this is kind of a odd remix of the uh, Vanilla Ice hit. <laughs> Detroit, I don't know what you're playing over there, but I've never heard that version. It was a B-side. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's Dave G. I'm Troy. This is the game. You heard our viewpoints on the Bruce Weber situation. Mitch Fortner out today, by the way. He's ring announcing tonight in Nebraska somewhere. Only on this show, the game, would something like uh, uh, wrestling and ring announcing interfere with the schedule. But it did. <laughs> and we'll pick it up. We'll pick up the slack while he goes and has some fun. He deserves it. Well, you know, he picked up some of the slack in that he sat down with Kellis Robinette earlier today to chat about the K State basketball situation. Like to post either you went to somewhere down south and went to a Whataburger, or <laughs> when you're in the Kansas City area, you go barbecue. So where was your latest barbecue stop, and what'd you get? Funny thing is, uh, I could have gone Whataburger in Kansas City last. That's night. true. I, I forget my, about that. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I might have to do that before I leave. But uh, last night, after I got done writing my uh, fifth Bruce Weber coaching search story of the day, uh, I said uh, I got I got a. I got to fill up on something really good. So I went to Joe's, the original one, and, uh, you know, right by downtown Kansas City in the gas station. It was great because of the snow and everything. There was no wine. and went right in and got the Z-Man sandwich and uh, a bag of fries inside of my head. It was great. I loved it. I was going to say, I, I saw that picture. First of all, I've never had the Z-Man. I've also never been to Joe's yet. I know that's probably sacrilege at this point, but I, I will soon. Um, yeah, the the fries looked like it took up about half of that tray. And if it's a regular like food tray you get at a restaurant, that's a crap load of fries. It's a lot, but they're really good. Um, I can't really explain, uh, you know, why it is so good. But the, the fry seasoning they put on those things are amazing. I actually, uh, my wife and I like it so much. We we load up and buy buy the fry seasoning for ourselves, and then come home and shake it on the fries we make in Manhattan to make them taste like we're eating a Joe's. So. That's one of the highlights there. The sandwiches, both the Z-Man and the Rocket Pig are amazing. Um, you know, the actual barbecue, you know, stuff you just eat meat on on, on its own is really good, too. But that, that's what I favor, the Z-Man. Oh, tough to beat. So you're still in Kansas City? I'm still here, yes. Um, I am, uh, yep, I'm I'm in Kansas City, going to check out the women's team okay. tonight. 
then go from there. Well, I'm glad you're able to go. I'm not able to make it. Um, and they have a tough matchup against Texas, who's probably the toughest uh, pressure defense team of the of the whole Big 12, especially with their new head coach. That's his. Uh, that's basically his motto is pressure defense. But so uh, that that'll be a tough matchup for the ladies tonight. They play at 7:30. Uh, which will be right here on K-Man, no K-State baseball. They'll play at 2 tomorrow and a doubleheader at 1 o'clock on Sunday against Central Connecticut State. But, Kels, I did want to ask about the Big 12 tournament since you're still in Kansas City. Four teams left, TCU against Kansas and then Oklahoma against Texas Tech. Do you have uh, – have you picked out a favorite? Who do you think will win out of those four? Uh, I, th- I think it'll come down – I think Kansas and Texas Tech win tonight and then – I think it'll be a really good championship game. I'll say Texas Tech. Um, and maybe that's a little controversial because KU wiped the floor with West Virginia yesterday. They're going to be well-rested. Um, they'll have the crowd behind them. Probably maybe lean t- toward Texas Tech in that matchup. But I think the Red Raiders are angry. I think they were really upset with the Big 12 coaches. Kind of ignored them on the All-Big 12 team didn't put a single one of their dudes on the all defense team. And they're, they're the team that's known as, you know, this defensive juggernaut. You saw last night against Iowa state, they held them to, well, I turned it off in the second half, but they held them to 20 in the first half. I mean, it was just a bludgeoning what they were doing to Iowa state on defense. And if they can beat Iowa state like that in front of their fans in Kansas city, there's really no reason why they can't do it against Kansas. Um, they won at Lubbock. They went to double overtime in Lawrence. That's the way I mean, I think Texas tech and, uh, and uh, Adams becomes the first active coach other than Bill Self in the conference to win the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, 100% I agree about Texas Tech. I, I'm picking them right now to win. Just not in my heart to pick Kansas at this time, even though they just absolutely slaughtered West Virginia. Coach Huggins, 10 minutes into the game, is tossed. After arguing with the officials, he got two tees that came within about 20 seconds of each other, maybe even not that. Were you there uh, in the media area when he got teed up twice? Do you know? I'm guessing he was just arguing about the no call after that drive to the hoop. Uh, I was on the court when it happened, and yeah, I, I saw the original technical, thought, hey, classic hugs, you know, going out, getting on the rest. He loves to get one tee in a game, loves to berate the officials. Um, but he must have said some magic words um, to, uh, I think it was Sermon who, who threw him out of the game, but he must have said something that really ticked him off because he he threw his finger, told him to get out of there so fast. And I, I honestly have never – I've seen coaches get thrown out of games before. I've never seen it midway through the first half. That was incredible. Um, and he, he was shocked by it. He was angry about it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the game was already over. They were down by 20 at that point, so I'm sure that didn't help anything. Well, Baylor's head coach, Scott Drew, is the Big 12's coach of the year. I was talking with Wyatt Thompson on Monday. We threw out a lot of names that maybe when you really think about it, you break it down, there's God, there's probably maybe three or four coaches you could truly consider, maybe even more than that, five, that you could truly consider for Big 12 coach of the year, but it does go to Scott Drew. Um, who, who did you have as your pick for coach of the year this year? I voted Scott Drew, and um... – I'll tell you why I think in my book, I think the, the coach of the year should be, should come from a team that wins the league. Um, you have to have a, an extremely compelling case to not win the league and win coach of the year in my book, because it's pretty simple. Um, if you won the league and you're the coach, you did a better job than everybody else. And I don't really understand why some teams want to, um, you know, criticize, uh, punish someone like Bill Self because he recruited real well and was picked to win the conference. 
why should that, um, you know, hurt his chances of winning the conference uh, coach of the year award? If, uh, if, if you win the conference, I, I think you deserve it. So for me, it came down to self and drew drew had the slightly better overall record. Um, and I think just what he did to rebuild that fast after what he lost from last season's national championship team, I thought was slightly more impressive than self. So I went drew um, and, you know, uh, I, I, I think most most voters probably after all these years of, of voting for self and seeing him win the award probably lean in a different direction. So there's probably some of that, too. But I, I did think Adams um, had he you know not lost that last game against Oklahoma State, he'd have had a more compelling argument. I like what he did this season. And honestly, the the, the coach, I, the other coach I thought about was Mike Boynton at Oklahoma State to uh, keep that team together and have them as competitive as they were, beating Tech, beating Baylor, winning games down the stretch when they had nothing but pride to play for. It was pretty impressive. Um, had they finished with a slightly better record, I might have gone him too. But for me, it was Drew. I think they made the right call. So, so Nigel Pack gets first team. Third get, 13 goes to Mark Smith, and then Marquise Noel gets honorable mention. I would have loved to see Nigel first, second team Mark Smith, third team Marquise Noel, if I had it the way – I wanted it, but was it fair the way it was laid out for K State this year, getting three teams on all Big Twelve teams or three players on all Big Twelve teams? I think so. Um, I mean, I, I honestly was a little surprised that both the coaches and the media um, showed Pack that much respect. I certainly think he's deserving of first team um, honors. I, I wrote that. I was maybe one of the first people all year to say that he deserved that um, based on his point production and efficiency. Um, if you're going bait, you know strictly on who the five best players are, are in the league. He's one of them, but he was on a, a losing team. And that typically has been, been something that especially the coaches punished. I remember when Trey young was in this league, the guy led yeah. the entire country in points and assists and did not make the first team all conference that year because Oklahoma only won seven conference games. You talk about holding, you know, holding a team's record over a player. Uh, my goodness. I couldn't believe that that happened. So I, I thought they would go that way this time. And, and go with Christian Braun um, or somebody else with that last spot. But, hey, kudos to everybody for recognizing the pack. Um, had a flamethrower this year. Put up a bunch of points. Um, it's not his fault that uh, he didn't have quite the supporting cast of other players. So I, I was I was very happy for him. Very much deserved. Mark Smith, I think they got it right. Third team. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, maybe there's a chance for a second team consideration just because he did lead the league in rebounding and whatnot. But um, just not not enough consistency, not enough scoring over the course of the season for me. I think third third team was appropriate, and um, Marquise Noel to get all defense, all uh, and then honorable mention I think was fair. Um, I, I just don't know that there was enough room to squeeze him on an extra team. Speaking with Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle here on the game. Well, the big news in the last 30 hours, and it's been a, a pretty interesting last 30 hours. Not so much, I mean, obviously it all starts with Coach Weber resigning as the head coach of the K-State men's basketball team, but now it's on to the search of who's going to be the next head coach. We all know the big name that's coming up. But first, uh, the word resign. Were you surprised to see that in the headline, that it was resign, not termination? Uh, I didn't think it was going to be termination. Um, I thought they would phrase it as, you know, like a mutual parting of ways, um, something like that, something that we've seen from other places. So, it, you know, there, there's, no, there's no such thing as a mutual breakup, but that's the way um, people like to phrase things. I thought they would go with that. So a little surprising that they said resign, but you can, I mean, you can read between the lines. It, at best, it's a forced resignation. Um, really, basically, what happened is, is Gene Taylor met with Bruce Weber and, you know, laid it out for him. Hey, look, we're going to make a coaching change. 
what term are you most comfortable with? Um, and obviously nobody wants the, the word fired on their, on their press release when they leave a place. Um, so he went with resign. Um, they're going to pay him his $1 million buyout. Um, so, you know, that that's the end of it. He's maybe going to coach again. That was the other possible scenario. I thought if he, he really just was done, maybe he'd say retire. Um, but you know, he left that door open. Maybe, uh, maybe he can go to his alma mater and coach Milwaukee next season, coach at a mid-major someplace. Um, I don't really know what he wants to do there, but this leaves the door open for it. So it, it's an appropriate word, but it's not exactly what I was expecting. Now. Yeah, right before we take the break, I'll just share my thoughts. And yeah, I think I, I totally agree. I think there's no doubt that it was laid out way before that, you know, here's what we need out of you. If not, we're moving on to another coach. Coach Weber said it himself that he was prepared for a while to just give a statement on you know what it was like being coach at K State, what we heard from a press conference yesterday, and what he said after he, you asked the question, what he wants to be remembered by after losing to West Virginia, definitely in his mind that uh, Bruce Weber knew what was coming and he had time to get prepared for it. However, we did also hear in yesterday's press conference that he was not happy, and he definitely noticed the negativity of K State social media certainly directed towards him and his team. And we'll rehear that audio and get Kellis' thoughts on what Bruce Weber said coming up next on the game. Welcome back to the game on News Radio KMAN. Mitch Fortner with Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle as we discuss uh, head coach Bruce Weber of K State men's basketball no longer in that position with K State as he has resigned as of yesterday. And Kellis, we did hear him in a press conference yesterday. Yesterday morning, that was when he did officially announce himself that he is resigning as the head coach of K-State men's basketball. He prepared a statement. He read from paper, and he mentioned that he has a couple of uh, positions open, and that that was uh, being a, a committed husband and a committed grandfather. But also, and we'll hear back from this audio here, that he did have something to say about the negativity of K-State social media. Earlier in the season, one of the social media people asked how we can get more people in the stands. I would tell you and challenge you just like I do to myself and to our players. You might look in the mirror. There's no doubt winning helps. I know that everybody knows that, but the negativity that surrounds K-State sports at times is really, really sad to me. This is the only school that I've been associated with that I am afraid to give our recruits and have them connected with our social media because what they will hear and see. I know other coaches in our department feel the same way. Hopefully uh, that can change, maybe with the new coach and and everybody can be positive about K-State and K-State athletics. So once again, that was uh, Bruce Weber yesterday speaking about K-State social media and I mean, I'm on. I'm not on Twitter as much as I used to be. I'm not a big fan of social media. I mean, I agree with Coach that social media is a it can be a really big negative at times, and certainly K State media social media was directed towards him and uh, the lack of winning, the lack of winning the last three years. However, I thought a part of that statement as well was comparing it to like Illinois and like, well, social media wasn't the same as it was as it is now. For sure, like if this social media today was around when he was at Illinois, I think he would certainly be hearing it from fans as well. That's just the way people express their thoughts and certainly about sports and about the head coaching position at K-State. But uh, Kellis, your thoughts on what Coach said yesterday? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of 
a lot of things you could take away from that. Um, for starters, I, I thought it was kind of weird, like you just mentioned, that he said this is the only place I've been at where I'm weary to let my recruits, you know, check out our social media. Um, there's never been anywhere else where that's a, an issue. Twitter wasn't a thing, you know, 10 years ago when he was at Illinois, or if it was, it was in its infancy. It's not like it is now. Wasn't certainly a recruiting tool, so it's not like he <clears throat> has a lot of other places to compare it to. I'd also say um, probably in general, when you when you get online, I would say every, you know, if, if you're looking for stuff on Twitter, uh, not the place to go for positivity a lot of times. It's probably the same at most schools. Um, you know, I wish it weren't the case, but I, it's a lot easier to spew venom online when you're angry about something. Hey, this ticks me off. Here's Here's what I think about it. It's a lot easier to go that route than, hey, I really like this. Here's what I think about it. For whatever reason, that's just kind of in, in people's nature. Um, I, I do think uh, overall, you know, a, a lot of people took that as him complaining, whining, trying to put down Kansas State. I, I actually have a different take on it. I think that, you know, what, what he said is actually fair. Um, I, I think he got too much criticism just because he, he followed Frank Martin, was hired by John Curry. People, I, I truly agree that people never gave him as much respect as he as he probably warranted, especially in his first seven seasons. Um, and, and I think he was trying to say, hey, look, you know, it, it wasn't fair to me, but let's not do it to the, the next guy. Let's unite. Let, let's support him. Um, and, and let's make Kansas State the best place it can be. If that was his message, then I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's good. I think that's positive. Um, but at, at the same time, I think he probably was just venting a little bit there. And um, I would also say if he doesn't like if he doesn't like the negativity, if uh, players don't like the negativity, if people in the department don't like the negativity, there's certainly an easy way to, to fix that, and that is by winning because um, there there was much less complaining and much less negativity on social media when Kansas State was in the Elite Eight and winning the Big 12 than there is right now. Yeah, I – I will say it felt like a lot of that press conference maybe was just even set up to allow him to vent a little bit and, and get some things off his chest, airing grievances. You can maybe put it that way as well. December 23rd got here a little bit quicker than it usually does. <laughs> um, but in, in a way, I also did like kind of agree with what he said, not only just yesterday, but in his press conference after the game. And he, and he mentioned about how you know he doesn't want recruits to see it. Like In a way, I kind of get that because – uh, you you may be trying to recruit, and all these recruits, of course, use social media not only to. Uh, I mean, that's just what people do these days. But also, recruits like to maybe promote themselves with their social media and get those followers uh, rolling in. But if you, if you this coach is trying to recruit you, and you look him up, and everybody's ha- has a hashtag fire Bruce, or they're adding at Gene Taylor to fire Bruce after a loss to Oklahoma in game one of the Big 12 season. Like, I get it. You don't want people out there seeing that and thinking everybody uh, thinks you're a bum or, or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, I, 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 in other words as well, Tekelis, I do agree that uh, was venting yesterday and wanted to get a few things off his chest. Now there are, uh, I mean, you look anywhere with K-State media and lists are being put out there on potential candidates. I know you have a list out there as well, Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle Kellis that you have put together on potential new head coaches for K-State basketball. Well, we got to talk about the big name, and that is Brad Underwood. Currently at Illinois, played at K-State, assistant under Frank Martin. Just want to gauge your thoughts. The possibility. What is, in your thoughts, the possibility that Brad Underwood could be the next head coach at K-State? Because it's going to take a lot of work to get him here. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the white whale of the search. That'd be a good way to put it. Um, I, I'm kind of struggled 
uh, people have asked me, you know, like, who do I think is the front runner right now? Um, and I, I don't really know where to put Brad Underwood on that list. I can tell you that he's the person the fans want. Um, he's the Gene Taylor, I'm sure will put out feelers to him probably already has. Um, but it's, uh, you know, if he would come here, people would dance in the streets, um, mm-hmm. to watch him coach this basketball team from McPherson played here, coached under Frank Martin. Um, he would be, you know, a grand slam, not just a home run, a grand slam higher. Um, it would cost a lot of money. The buyout is, uh, I believe at least 8 million might even be more makes $4.1 million a year in salary. Um, that, that would be a huge financial commitment to bring him here. And even if Kansas state could put all that together and put a package in front of him and say, Hey Brad, we want you to come home. He would still have to say, um, yes, I'm ready to leave uh, an Illinois program that I've just got into back-to-back Big Ten championships, a one seed last year in the NCAA tournament, uh, uh, you know, looking at a three or four seed this year, final four type of team. Does he really want to leave that for a startup um, thing in Manhattan? I, I don't know. It's going to take a lot of things to go right for it to happen. I wouldn't rule it out by any means, um, but I, I think, like I said earlier, white whale is a good way to put it. They'll, They'll go out and see if there's any chance first before they move on to anybody else, I think. Well, it's definitely a different pitch for sure than everybody else that would be on that list. You're trying to get maybe some donors together like, hey, we need some cash for this $7 million buyout. So that's part of the pitch as well. you got to have enough money for the assistance because you know Brad Underwood's going to want a certain amount of pool money for assistance to uh, feel like he can get the job done with a, with a strong assistance by his side. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. Maybe even also a little bit of luck. You want Brad to be ready to leave. Illinois maybe he's unhappy you never know how these things can play out and he would want to come to K-State it just has to be uh, the right things to fall into place and he's ready to jump ship and come to the Cats but like every K-State fan out there I do have my fingers crossed that Gene Taylor is able to get something done however uh, if that didn't work out of course there are other uh, guys that would want to come to K-State and and fill that spot Uh, on your candidates list who who would you say uh, are at the top of that list or you can just start naming some candidates of uh, who you think is likely? Well, I would say that the guy after Underwood, <clears throat> let's say he he says, "Hey, thanks, but no thanks." Um, or or Kansas State decides, you know what? Um, we just we we want to go a little bit more affordable with this coach. Um, I think the next guy in line would be Grant McCaslin, the head coach at North Texas. After talking to some people um, in the K State athletic department, I can tell you they're they're really excited about him. They like his resume. He's led North Texas to a bunch of 21 seasons, had him in the NCAA tournament last year, reached the round of 32 when they beat Purdue in the opening round. Um, I think they went undefeated in Conference USA uh, this season, and they're on track to make the NCAA tournament again. So not only has he done that, but he played at Baylor, he coached at Baylor, he knows the Big 12. Um, and there's just so many boxes there that he checks. Um, somebody referred to him as just a great fit when I talked to him about him earlier this week. So I think he's somebody, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily the front runner, but I think that he's a guy that they really, really want to talk to. Um, and if they could bring him here, I, I think he'd do great. I think everybody would be happy with it, especially if he could do something like, you know, keep Shane Southwell on staff and bring in a, an accomplished associate head coach. I think that would fire people up. Um, after him, uh, staying with the Baylor tree, I, I think they really like Jerome Tang, their associate head coach. Right now, the, the way Baylor's got things going, um, you know, it's kind of astonishing that he's not gotten a promotion elsewhere. He was in the mix at UTEP last year, didn't, didn't work out. He's, uh, you know, had feelers from Power 5 jobs before. Just never just never felt the need to leave Baylor. Maybe now that the time is right, 
nobody has, has beaten Kansas State more thoroughly than the Bears lately. If you can't beat them, might as well hire somebody away from their staff. I think he'd be really good. And then um, I, beyond that, I would say um, the guy Drake, Darian DeVries, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, he's, he's a compelling guy. Not only has he won a little bit at, at Drake, his son is a really good player, their leading scorer. So if you cite him, he'd surely hop in the transfer portal and come to. It's so a kind of a, a two-for-one kind of thing. Um, Nico, Nico Medved at Colorado State, he's another name I've heard. Matt McMahon at Murray State. And then there, there's a bunch of other you know names out there that will surface, I'm sure. But Kellis Robinette earlier today with Mitch Fortner commenting on exactly where that search may go now at K-State for a new head coach after Bruce Weber resigned yesterday for the Wildcats. Second hour of the game coming up.